Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I sanctify you. And I ordained you a prophet to the nations. What God is saying to Jeremiah here is, look, before you were even created, before you were thought about by your mum and your dad, I knew you, I formed you, I sanctified you, I prepared you, I ordained you a prophet to the nations. And what I want us to take away is that God has put a dream in each one of us. All right, what he's speaking to Jeremiah is something that he's already put inside him. He's already given that dream to him. He's already placed within him that desire to go and do it. And God starts to speak it over him. And it's the same with us. God has a dream and a purpose for your life. And he made you the way that you are, the looks that you have, the color of your skin, the way that you are, your hair color, everything. He has made you in the way, your height, the whole lot of you. Every part of you has been made for the purpose that God ordained and prepared you for. And we get twisted because we look at what the world says and the world says that you have to look like this or you have to be like this or if you don't fit in this mould, then you, you know, you, it's just wrong. And we actually get that thrown at us from the very start that this is how you have to look. And we know how advertising works and it's all, you know perfect supposedly people in perfect situations and everything's wonderful. And social media certainly doesn't help that nowadays. You, know, you look at someone's life and, and I, I look at these things and I chuckle to myself now. I've been around long enough to know the reality behind. And I was looking at some conference that was on and, and the pictures that were posted and I thought, hmm, they're the same people as last year and probably the same people as the year before, and you see the same people in the same pictures doing the same sorts of things, and it's like, okay, that's that 10 people. What about the other 500 people that were there that maybe don't feel as, as significant as those people or as achieved as those people in that situation or, or have done as much and so on? Because we have this thing that this is what success looks like. This is what purpose looks like. And it's not true. Because God actually ordained you for a purpose. If you look at the rest of Jeremiah's life, it wasn't that great. He was a bit of a depressing melancholy. He spent some time down a well. And when I say well, I mean that nicely. It was probably more of a poo pit than it was a well. And we look at Jeremiah and we go, oh, this mighty prophet of God who did amazing things and God speaks there and says, I ordained you for this great thing. But he didn't have a great life all the time. He had some really, really stinky times. I mean, he literally got shoved down the toilet. Yes, who was to be a prophet for the Lord? He got, he got the royal flush in a whole different way, you know. And we go, but he was ordained of the Lord. You know, God spoke to him and says, before you were formed, I knew you. You see, what I'm trying to say is God has a purpose for your life, but occasionally it's going to stink. 
Occasionally it's not going to look like you thought it was going to look. But are you going to hold on to the purpose? And you see what happens, what I see in my life, what I see around people around me is that 99% of people actually give up on their purpose because they get it beaten out of them. And they actually don't know what their purpose is and they lose their purpose because life comes and it doesn't fit the mould that has been sold to them. Not by God, but by what the world says, this is what it looks like. This is what success looks like. This is what achievement looks like. And I thank you for your word earlier, Annette, because that was for me. I'm taking that one. Because God's doing things as we speak and stuff around that. But just meant to forget to say that earlier. But it's actually linked into what God's purpose is. And see, we think it fits in this box and this is what it is, and and it's not. God is not limited to one thing in your life. You know, I know a guy who, he's, he's a lovely guy, who, who started as an apprentice in, in this job. And he retired probably about six years ago doing the same job, not an apprentice, obviously he was, he was the leading hand. But he was in the same company at the same location and he worked there from when he was an apprentice at like 15 through to he required, retired at about 68. And that's how life used to be. You know, he's now in his well into his 70s and, and so on. But, but that was what life was. You would rock up to a company and you'd work for that place your whole life and that job and you'd work your way through and then you would retire. And that's good. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But you know what I'm discovering in God is that God doesn't have just one path. He actually takes that path and goes, let me add to that path and let me add to that path and let me add to that path. It's all right. Happens occasionally. And he's actually ordained you for the path and a purpose. But sometimes that purpose doesn't look like everyone else's purpose. And he's been showing me over these last couple of weeks that we have this purpose, but it's got bits to add on to it. And the problem is that we try and fit into our box, and when it doesn't fit into our box, we actually lose the purpose God has for us. And we start to forget that purpose, and we start to let go of it, and we start to then just mould into the scenery. And God says, no, 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 I have a purpose for your life. And I want to say to you, do you know your purpose? If you had this statement said to you, and God said, you know, you were reading what he said to you, and it said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you, and I ordained you. What does the rest of that sentence look like? Can you finish that statement? And you know what? I've discovered that well over 95, probably 99% of people actually can't finish that statement. They might identify themselves as a job or like I'm a mum or I'm a this or I'm a that and that's fine. But it's not your purpose. Because you see, if you don't know your purpose then you don't know your vision. And if you don't know your vision, then you start to just exist. And it's why a lot of people, when they retire from their job, they die within a few years. There are people that die within five years of retiring from their job. Five years. 
Imagine working from like, you know, 15 through to 65, 70 and then dying within five years of that. That's just sad. Because you see, what they did in their job became their purpose and their vision, even if it wasn't what their purpose and vision was. You see, your purpose and vision has to be bigger than your job. See, I do my job to fulfill my purpose and vision. But if your job is your purpose and vision, then you're selling yourself short because God made you bigger than what your employment was. I read a great article this week about, um, I think his first name is William Fairfax. And you know, you remember the Fairfax Empire? Do you remember that? This massive empire that went on, and and he said when he, you know, he said when he was being raised up, he said his whole identity, everything about him was to take over the John Fairfax Empire. He said that's that's what I, my whole identity was in that. He said everything about me was in that, and and so he 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 put everything he had into it as he grew up, and and when when you know he took over the company, he became the CEO of the John Fairfax Empire, and, and he took it on. And he says, but he said the whole landscape of media changed. He said the whole world out there changed. And he said suddenly we were suddenly you know we hit walls that we'd never experienced before, didn't know we were there. And he said we got taken over by these companies. He says all of a sudden the Fairfax Empire didn't exist. And he said so. My job didn't exist. And he says, I just lost my identity completely because everything about me was as running the Fairfax Empire. That was my identity. That was who I was. He said, that was my purpose and vision because that's what I was raised to be. And he said, suddenly what I was raised to be no longer existed. He said, I felt an absolute total failure and he said just full depression and everything else he said there was just no hope and purpose for my life and he had to come back to square one he says I discovered certain things here first of all he said I discovered my identity was in Christ that actually I wasn't my my existence wasn't to run a company that there were bigger things than this. And he says he goes through this whole process of healing and discovering first of all who he was in Christ and that the love of God in his life, and then from there the love of his family, and from there he was able to build out this whole identity in, in his purpose in life. And he said, my purpose was actually in working with people and with different organisations, and, and he works in sort of a coaching and a mentoring and, and a counselling role. And he says, I found my purpose, and it was nothing to do with running this company. But he said, the world had conditioned me, my upbringing conditioned me that this was my purpose. And he said, we settle for this shallow purpose. And it really got me thinking as I read through this and what Miles Monroe and what God's been speaking is that we, we get into this box mentality and this is what the world says. And we actually never really grab a hold of our dream and our purpose. And so we never get to say yes to our purpose. We never get to say yes to our dream because we don't know what that is. Because we've let the world condition us. And you know what? Your dream is bigger. I love what T.D. Jake says. You know, look at T.D. Jake's life. You know, there's a guy who's a pastor of a church and, and then he's got this whole movie thing going over here and then there's this whole music thing going over here and, and then he does this mentoring and, and now he started hosting TV shows. And you look at the guy and people try and say, who are you? 
because they try and put you into a box. You know, when you meet somebody, what's one of the first questions they ask you? What do you do for a job? And by that response determines your identity, right? And where you fit in the pecking room or in the room. You get in a group of pastors, you used to love doing this. You walk in a room of pastors and they start to work out the pecking order of who has the biggest church. You know, you get into government things and they all try and work out what your, what your level is on the totem pole so that they can put you into position and where you fit. I just sit back and it just it annoys me. It used to annoy me at first. Now I just chuckle at it. Because you see, you've got to learn to become bigger than what the world says. This is your order. And I love getting in among, in my current job, and actually messing with their order. Because they have this whole level of what they call SESs, who are the, the very seniors, you know. And then under that you get the, the ELs, what they call the executive leadership, and, and they get in there and then you get down into, you know, the, the APS sixes and blah, blah, blah. They have this whole pecking order that works. And I love getting in there because a lot of people don't know what my level is. Because I don't actually, they've sort of got their hierarchy and because my position sits to the side and I answer up here, they don't know where my level is. And they sort of go, oh, you're coming out the site. Where do we put you? And I go, don't worry about it. I'll just rock up. And they can't cope with this. But they're going, but we have to put you into the system. We have to fit you into here. And it messes with their heads. I mean, when I, when I did my, my stint, with them, I did six weeks with one of the banks and they messed up my whole recruitment and <laughs> the first day I walked in and they went, um, our recruitment system has crashed and we can't fix it. We can't actually access your file. We know you're supposed to work but we can't put you in a position. So they said, will you come and do and work at our main branch and we, we'll put you on as a trainee. Now, I did trainee in a bank in 1990, 1989, jingies. So that gives you some context because this was last year. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there with all these first-year trainees and we're going through doing cash handling and stuff like this. And it was a bit of fun. And I'd sit in these classes and I'd go, yeah, this and that. And, and so they'd all come in my group because I knew what I was doing. And so I'm training with the trainer. And so I'm working with all these trainees. And, and when, I, when I got offered the job I'm currently in, you know, you've got to go through this two weeks of you know, giving your notice. So I gave my notice. So for two weeks, I'm sitting there. And so I'm sitting here coaching these guys for, about, for a period of about four weeks. I'm coaching these new trainees. And we're talking about their visions and their dreams. And it's amazing. They start to open up. And some of them have bigger degrees than what I've got. They had higher qualifications. With them, and they're starting in these trainee positions. And I'm going, whoa, and you start to unpack their dreams and what they really want to do. And it's like, why are you here? Because they're letting go of what their purpose is because they don't think they can get their purpose. They just have to get a job. But you know what? When you start to talk to people and you start to ask the right questions, they start to unpack their purpose and they start to unpack their dream. And they start looking and they're going, do you think there's a job where you're going? I'm going, you don't want to go where I'm going. That's not your purpose. 
Think about your purpose. Think about your plan. What are you doing towards getting towards your purpose? And they start to dream a bit and, and they started to apply for other things. And I think by the time I'd left, three of them were moving into different positions. I was there for six weeks. And either they were moving to different positions within the organisation or they were actually moving out. <coughs> it's a terrible thing, I know. I go through it. It's like a wrecking ball. But, but when you start to ask people what their dream is and you give people permission to dream, you actually start to change their life. I spent 12 months working for Anglicare on a part-time basis. I'd rock in, you know. And there was two of us in this office. Now, I was there and this lady was over there who was the manager. I remember after being there after three months, she said, um, Phil, I think we should swap jobs. And I said, why? She said, you have all this management experience and this is my first management job and you could do this so much better. I said, look, let's not swap jobs. Her name was Jan. So I used to always use the Telstra ad, you know, whenever things went wrong, she gets something wrong, Philip, I'm going, I'm just not happy, Jan. Not happy, Jan. For those of you in Australia, you know the Telstra ad, you know, online. Not happy, Jan. Oh, yellow Pages ad, sorry, yeah, sorry. Same here. I just go, not happy, Jan, when things were going wrong. And it was, it was a nice, easy job. It was cushy and it was, it was, I really enjoyed that time there and they were lovely people to work with, really did. But she'd sit there at lunchtime because I was sort of sitting there and she was in front of me and her desk was to the side and so I could see what was on her screen from where I was. And every lunchtime she would sit there at her desk and she would look at properties down in the southwest. And she would do it for her whole lunch break, just sit there eating lunch, just flicking through properties for sale down south. And eventually I said, Jam, what's with this looking and all these things? She says, I'd love to be down there. I'd love to have just this beautiful property down there and... And, and, you know, nice big grounds. You just have like a people where people can come and they can stay in these houses. And, and I just really love a big, big, you know, this acreage down there. I said, why don't you do it? You know, you're living here in this little place in the city. Why don't you go and do it? She goes, oh, my husband, I, you know, I don't think he'd be into it. I, don't think, I said, have you ever asked him? She said, never had the conversation. He has no idea. And she was in her late 50s. And I said, look, I said, this is, this is inside you, this is your dream. I said, this is your dream, your purpose. I said, you should talk to him about it. You should have a look and, and see if you can make it work. Put a plan together about maybe how you can achieve this because, you know, I said, you sit here every day. I mean, you've been doing this before I arrived. It's your dream. Go for it. And she went, oh, yeah, I really don't know, I don't know. Anyway, I left. I was there for 12 months. I left and where she went and started pastoring another church somewhere and, and it was about two years later, wasn't it? About two years later, we were actually, I remember where I was because we were in this furniture shop and we were actually going down to buy some furniture for, for the house. And I, I don't know, only beds or something, we we're looking at a mattress, but whatever, we're looking through this. And my phone rings. And it's Jan, two years later. I've left this place two years later. We only worked part time. And she said, Phil, Phil, it's Jan here from Anglicare. I said, Oh, Jan, you know, what's wrong? What's up? She said, No, no, no. She said, I want you to know. I just handed him my resignation because my husband and I, we bought this massive property down in Bridgetown and we're heading down there in a month's time and we're moving down there. She said, and she's for about 10 minutes is telling me about this beautiful property. And I said, so your husband knows, she said, I went home one day. She said, it was after you left. And I thought, I've had enough of this. I went home and I said, you know what I'd really love to do? And he said, well, why don't we do it? She'd never had this conversation. They'd been married for like 25 years or something. She'd had this dream her whole life and never had this conversation with them. 
she goes home and just finally allowed her dream to rise up. Had this conversation and then six months later they'd moved. See, that's the power of a dream. I love what Jesse says. He says, how do you know your dream? It says when you keep coming back to that same thing and you keep coming back to that same thing and you may get off that path and you, you come back to that same thing, that's the dream that God's placed in your heart. That's the purpose that he's put inside you. And you know what? It's actually okay because before you were formed, that's how God made you. And we have to give ourselves permission to dream and then start to bring the dream into reality. But our problem is that we look at our dream and we go, oh, we can't do it and we see all the obstacles. And so we never, ever release that dream. And you know what? Sometimes that dream isn't just one thing, it's several things. Because you have this purpose, but the vision that comes out of that purpose can, can have multiple roads that actually can bring that about. But if we never let ourselves dream, if we never embrace our purpose, then we never step into making that vision happen. Because you see, your dream and your purpose is here. It's what you're created for. And out of that comes your vision, which looks different to someone else who may have the same purpose. Their vision will look different because they're a different person. And you know what? That is okay. Because that's how God made them and that's how God made you. So don't compare yourself to someone else doing it. Don't look at someone else's journey. Your journey is yours. It doesn't matter what they think. It doesn't matter what they're doing. It doesn't matter what other people say because their vision and their purpose is not yours. Your vision is yours. Your purpose is yours. And the only person you have to answer for is you and God. Yeah? So I want to say to you, how do you finish that sentence? You know, are we so much like Jeremiah in the next bit? And he goes, oh, God, truly, I can't speak for I'm a youth or I'm too old or I'm too young or I'm too big or I'm too small or I'm too rich or I'm too poor or whatever it is. We've all got an excuse, yeah? We say, oh, Lord God, truly, I, because... We could all finish that sentence, yeah? Probably easier we could finish the one before it. There's always an excuse. There's always a reason. There's always something in the way. That's why you need God to walk the journey with you. But how do you finish that? Before I formed you, in the womb I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. In other words, I prepared you. I got everything ready for you. I made you in position for this. And I ordained you what? How do you finish that purpose? If you don't know that, then you'll live life unfulfilled. If you don't know your purpose, then you never be you can never be who God made you to be. Go back to your dream. What do you keep coming back to? Whatever you keep coming back to. That's the dream God's put in your heart. Every other excuse after that is insignificant. Yeah, he says, God says, look, it doesn't matter. He says, I'll overthrow nations. I'll pull aside kingdoms. I'll pick them up, pull them down, whatever it takes. He goes on to say, Jeremiah, 
to achieve the dream you have in you. That's what God will do for you to have your dream. But let me ask you, do you own your dream? Or have you let go? I encourage you, go away this week and finish that sentence. God has ordained me for what? Could be to grow vegetables. Be a farmer. It can be anything. It doesn't have to be spiritual. Yeah? But God ordained you. He gave you that dream. Stop throwing it away. Grab a hold of the dream and start to take your first step towards it. Yeah? What's your dream? Father, I want to thank you that you've given us a dream. Lord, before we even created in the room, you knew us, you made us, you sanctified us and ordained us to fulfill that dream. I pray, let us see that dream. Let us step into that dream. Let your name be glorified through us as we walk out that dream. We bless you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.